I am convinced that contentment is something we have to fight for and pay attention to. It's not something that comes naturally in our culture. When everywhere we look, we are hearing silent messages of, you need this, you don't have enough, you have to buy this to be happy. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Cruz all about contentment. And fun fact, this episode was recorded before she had her baby boy, and now she's a proud mama to two girls and a boy just like me. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 36. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Listen in. So today I'm so excited to welcome Rachel Cruz to the Work and Play podcast. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely, Nancy. Thanks for having me on. So first, I just have to say how excited I am that you're going to have another baby and how similar our families are. We both have a four-year-old girl, two-year-old girl, and I have a baby boy and you're expecting a boy. So how are you feeling about being a boy mom? Oh, Nancy, I'm so excited. I I was like so emotionally prepared for three girls, uh, which would have been great. I just thought like for some reason, I was like in the cards, I just think God has us raising three girls. Like I'm yep. just for three. So when it was a boy, it re- it kind of took us off guard, honestly. I was like, oh my gosh. And it, I just, I love him already so much. I know. Well, <laughs> let me say firsthand, I know. <laughs> There's something so special about being a boy mom. It's like this chamber of my heart that I didn't know existed Aww. just opened up. And it is this, the bond I have between me and my son is just so precious. I'm so, so excited for you now? to experience that. He's eight months old. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you know our story, but we were actually told we were having a third girl in the ultrasound. And so when we had a boy in the delivery room, no, we were shocked. Yes. Stop it. Yes. Stop we were shocked. It. So we for sure were thinking three <laughs> girls. Princess parties all the way. And then lo and behold, we got a boy. So it was just a crazy ride. It was a lot of fun. I feel like that doesn't happen that much anymore. Like from the ultrasounds and everything. Like, oh my gosh, that is so great. I know. She kept saying the baby's legs were crossed, but she finally told us like, close your eyes. And so we did. And then she was like, open your eyes. She was like, we got it. And we went on a date that night and opened up the card. And it was like, it's a girl. So we prepared the whole time for a girl. And then we had a boy. So my husband legit fell on the floor. Um, Anyway, crazy story. Enough about me. I want to get to what you have to offer today. I'm so, so grateful. And yeah, I'm just so excited for you and your family. It's going to be so sweet. Thank you. Um, But on that note, I really just want to start out by talking about you being Rachel the wife and Rachel the mom, because we all know you as Rachel the money expert, but the really real side of you is just Rachel Cruz, like the mom and the friend and the wife. And I think a lot of working mamas probably look to you and would love to ask you the question like, hey, I struggle with being content in these two roles. Mm. I know you talk a lot about contentment. I know I've struggled in that, just being a working mom and I don't know. Sometimes it feels like they work beautifully together, those two roles. And sometimes it feels like they kind of, there's this tension. So I just want to ask you, like as a friend, what do you do to practice contentment as being a working mom? How do you, how do you do that? It's a great question. Um, I, I've kind of lived off this phrase, Christy Wright, um, who's one of our other Ramsey personalities and just a great friend of mine in real life too. 
but she always says that life balance is not about being 50-50. It's about being 100% present. Mm. And I've kind of just taken that as my mantra where if I'm at work, I really try to be present and be at work. And then when I go home, I feel like is when I can be like full mom and I'm 100% mom. Like I, I try not to check emails and like do any kind of work thing when the girls are there and really just be with them. And so that's helped me, I think, in just like the tactical side of it all. But it's hard. And I think that it's just depending on the season too, um, it can be really, it can be really difficult. I mean, like my, my oldest, for some reason, like two weeks ago, every day I left, she's my one, she's kind of my rock, like Amelia, my oldest, like she's the one that's, that she's good. Caroline, the the two-year-old, she's kind of hit or miss uh, when I leave the home. But for some reason, Amelia just kept falling apart like all week. I mean, and I, and I hadn't cried going to work like in a while. Like I really haven't. I've, I've, I've done really well with the transition for that, for the emotional side of me, for the most part, tears wise. But I mean, every day coming home, coming to work, I cried because I was like, she, seeing her so upset, it totally, it rocked me and I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it, you know, usually after maternity leave or something and you, and you start back, but out of nowhere. And so I was like, man, and I called my, you know, Winston, my husband and I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I'm struggling. Like it's hard. And I've just learned, you kind of have to live in this weird tension of something being so good in your life, but something that can also just be so hard. And that can be true for mothering. That can be true in marriage. That can be true in your work and living in a, in that gray state I'm learning in my own personal life to be there where I'm such a black and white personality. And even my job is kind of black and white. Like if you save X amount at X amount interest rate, (laughs) you're going to have this much at 65 years old. Like, you know, my, even my job is kind of black and white and to live in that gray tension as a human, right? Like with your heart uh, being pulled in all these directions, it's it's the reality that we live in. And so that can be really, really difficult and really hard. But, um, but I've learned too that for me, my work is not just collecting a paycheck. Like it really feels like this higher calling on my life. And I think that helps me a lot as well. If I was going to a job I hated, um, I think it would be a much a much more difficult play for me personally. But um but going somewhere that I love uh when it comes to work, I'm so thankful for because then when I leave work, I get to also go to a place I love, which is home. And so it's it's hard though. Again, it's it's like week by week now, right? Like I'm like if if you if we had this interview last month, I probably would have had a different answer, but just experiencing that with Amelia just a few weeks ago, I'm like, "Oh, you just feel your mom's heart like it just breaks sometimes. And so that's that's kind of that gray area that I'm learning to live in. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I wish you could have seen Millie, my four-year-old, this morning um, before she went to preschool, literally crying for like 45 minutes. And oh. this is new for us too. So solidarity in the fact that we just have four-year-olds, right? Like they're just <laughs> four and their emotions swing so hard. And it's the same with me. She's always loved preschool. She's always, and she's just, crying and like that, you know, it's been, it's just been, I've felt that tension very real in my own home and heart this week. So I'm right there with you. But I do think too, I always think about, you know, one day when Millie grows up and looks at her mama, like the things that I've done and have devoted my life to, I want to show her that she can do good work. And I want to show her that even when it's hard, like I want to make the best decision 
for her and for me and for our family and for the kingdom of God, ultimately. Like, I want to be the kingdom of God pushing back darkness. And I believe that we're doing that with our work. It's more than just showing up for a job. So, choosing to do that, even when they're little, it's, it's hard. And sometimes you have to navigate things differently according to age. And, yes, yeah, and sometimes yes. I do think it's like, you know what, like, I'm just going to try to make this call an audible and like change the plan for today because my kid needs me as much as we can. 100%. I mean, sometimes we can't, but yep. as much as we can. Um, but yeah, just to give ourselves a ton of grace and just, I love what you said about just showing up, being a hundred percent where you are and even just kind of living in that tension and saying, Hey, it's okay to feel that. It's okay. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So, so this podcast is all about work and play. And one element of work and play that was one element of our lives that really affects our work and play in a huge way is money. So I want to talk about the money piece because this is something that I've kind of been thinking about dwelling on recently, how the Bible talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. And I've been asking myself, okay, do I really love money? Like, do I love it or do I love what money can buy me? Or is that the same thing? Because like I've always said, I don't love money. Like, of course, the love of money is the root of all evil. I don't love Mm -hmm. it. But I've been struggling lately. Like, but what if I really love the fact that money could paint my house white, which is something I've wanted for a few years, you know? Or what if I really love that money can buy us a new couch, you know? Because we've had our couch for, it's been a hand-me-down. We've had it for all 11 years we've been married. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of like dealing with that. So I think that ties into contentment with money. And like, what do you do when you start to feel discontent, like with your things or with money? Because we all feel it that way. Do you have any practical advice that you can give us just to be more content? Like, what are some practical things we can do when we start to feel that way? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great question and it's a great setup because money is one of those things that we don't want to worship. We don't want to become an idol, but we also have to have it to live in our world today, right? I mean, like you can't escape it. And money brings incredible giftings. It it brings incredible opportunity for people, whether it's painting the house white, which is totally great. Or maybe it's helping, you know, buying, you know, 18 cribs at an orphanage down in Haiti. Like whatever it does, money is a tool. And so when it starts to become an idol and it's the only thing we're looking towards, then yes, that's when things start to get dangerous. But when you say, hey, I'm going to use money as a tool in my life to better my life, which is not a bad thing, and to also give to others, you're just putting it in a really good perspective. And so when it comes though to being discontent, uh, it's, it's this weird lesson I feel like I've had to learn over and over and over and probably will still continue to learn over and over and over again yep. that stuff is just not going to make you happy. Stuff can be fun. So I'm all about like, yes, there are fun vacations you can take. I mean, buying a new purse is fun. Like you can have fun with money, but it is not going to buy happiness. And that's kind of a cliche, but it's so true. Like that hole in your heart that we feel like we can just buy and change uh, our clothes or our house or whatever it is. And we're going to feel better about ourselves is just not the case. And so we have to go back to realize that like stuff is okay, but stuff cannot own me. It cannot own me by going into debt for things and it can't own my happiness and my contentment because you will be a rat in a wheel for the rest of your life if you just think, oh, if I could just go on that vacation or if I could just drive that car, if I could just have those clothes, if I could just X, Y, or Z, that stuff is not going to make you happy. And so truly finding 
and caring for your heart and knowing who you are, being known by God, being known by people and having those relationships in your life, that's what makes your life rich. And the stuff around it can amplify it. I mean, like, we're not going to be mad if our countertops are granite. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be mad at that. Like, that's great. Um, But at the end of the day, those granite countertops in our kitchen are not going to change our heart. We're still going to have the same problems. We're going to have the same struggles. It's not going to fix our life. And I think that we live in a society where we think that stuff is going to fix either this emptiness we have, or it's going to make our life better. I'm going to feel better about myself. And sadly, we're reminded over and over again, including myself, that that's just not the case. And so I think you just have to have your stuff in perspective to know again that that it can be fun. You can enjoy it. I think God blesses us and we can go and see cool parts of the world. You can buy things that are exciting for your family. Um, Those are not bad. Those are not bad at all. But when you start to place your happiness and your value in those things, that's where it becomes um, the discontentment train really starts to roll. Yeah. I feel like you're telling me just my life back to me because I feel like I have learned. I'm thinking about myself. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've learned this lesson of contentment over and over. And every time I'm like, okay, Lord, I got it. And then he's like, nope, like you have, there's more for you in this lesson of contentment because there's always more of the Lord. Yes. Kind of to what you were saying, Nancy, like in my life, like literally in this moment, in this day, my husband and I, Winston, we've been building a house. So it's been an 11 month project. And so we'll move in, um, in about two months. And so we've like, this has been our hobby. Like we've talked about it. We're excited about it. I mean, all the fun things that come with building a home and like, I mean, it's been so enjoyable, but about probably four months ago, it just hit me one morning. I was like, man, I've started to believe that this house is like going to solve our problems. Like until we move to this house, oh, life is going to just be so much better. Oh, when we get to this house and X, Y, and Z, and I'd have all these dreams and fantasies and it just hit me. I was like, no, when we move in this house, Caroline is still going to throw her yogurt on the floor. Amelia is still going to completely destroy the playroom. Like like (laughs) everything (laughs) continues. Your life is picked up and your problems are still there. The habits you formed are still there. Like things don't change because of things in our life, if that makes sense, that you can buy. Right. right. So Absolutely. It was just this moment of like, oh my gosh, why have I put so much stock in this new home when it's going to be us? Like it's still us living there. Well, yeah. Will it be prettier and newer and all the things? Yeah. But it's still at the end of the day, it's still us. And you still go to bed with the same stresses with the same worries, with the same joys, like it is still you. And so that's, it's just, it's a reminder I still have to give myself. So it's, it's, it's a hard one to balance because we live in a world that gives kind of the opposite message to us. Um, But yeah, fighting against that and saying, God, like change my heart. You know what I mean? Continue to remind me that, um, that it's good and it's fun and we can enjoy it. But man, it's, it's not going to be this like savior in our life. By any means. It's the when the when then thinking. Like when I get this house, then everything is gonna be okay. When I do this thing, then I'm gonna be content. And that is the biggest lie. And you know, several years ago, I don't know if if you know this, but Will and I paid off our house at ages 25 and 26. I mean, we drank yep, Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid. We were like (laughs) all in and we loved it. And I mean, it literally, it's been the biggest blessing in our marriage, just to go through the baby steps Mm. to pay off our house. But the crazy thing is, is we paid off our house and I struggled with being discontent more in those three months after paying off our house, Mm. like that massive baby step seven finish line. 
And the Lord started convicting me, like, where is your real contentment? And he put he put it on my heart to give up shopping for three months. I was like, no, Lord. Like, I have saved and lived on such a tight budget for so long. Like, mm-hmm. not now. We're at baby step seven. This is like live like no one else time. Like, this is my, I'm shopping at Whole Foods, yeah. anthropology. Here I come. Like, this is everything I've lived for. And he just said, you will never find contentment in reaching a finish line. Mm-hmm. You always have to find it in me. So I gave up shopping for three months. I invited people on the internet, whoever wanted to join me. And I just called it the contentment challenge. I was not expecting anyone to do this with me. And it kind of blew up. I have had thousands of ladies do this now where they give up shopping for three months to center their hearts on what really matters and to stop centering it on a a finish line or, you know, reaching a goal because that's, I mean, this is like the secret to living a content and happy life is to be so thankful right where your feet are planted. That's right. That's right. Right now. So um, I actually wanted to ask you about your contentment journal because when, as soon as I saw that, I got so excited. I was like, this would literally be the perfect companion to a contentment challenge. And I, I do it every year now. I take off three months of shopping for like unnecessary things because I think it's just like a, almost like a fast, like a reset so for good. myself. It is. It is. Um, but I want to know, like, where where was the contentment challenge born out of? How do you use it? Like, where did it come from? Um, I just want to hear more about it and and share it with the listeners so that they can know about just the amazing resource that you've made. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, it kind of came out of my last book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And I talk a lot about comparisons in that book and how we just live in this world of like constantly comparing our life to everyone else's. And the secret or the the antidote to not comparing your life is to be content with yours. Yeah. And so contentment just started to become this theme in my personal life and then also in my work life. People started asking about it more. And so I thought, gosh, if you could just take a little bit of time every morning and be challenged and be able to write out things around contentment and have this practice for 90 days, you know, what that can do to your heart, how that can change when you can just focus on this type of this subject specifically. And so when I kind of dove into it, I realized there's three main areas of contentment. And really where you start out is gratitude, just being grateful. Because in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment. Like when you really are, your feet are planted on the ground where you are, like you said, and you're just grateful for where you are. You're, you know, that's, that's the first step. It really is. And so, so the first 30 days is spent all on gratitude and there's daily challenges and daily prompts really uh, in the journal for you to, to look at. And then after 30 days of gratitude, I, we move into humility and I love C.S. Lewis's quote on humility. He said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And what ends up happening is you're, you're grateful for your own life, almost like your eyes are looking down and you're saying, okay, God, this is my life. Thank you. And with humility, you're kind of able to look up and look at others. And that's when really the giving and the serving aspect of your life starts to explode. And that's where so much joy is found uh, in that part of your life. And so there's prompts again for, for that. And then the last 30 days is focused on contentment itself. And yeah, just spending uh, just any any amount of time on one specific issue. You could you could do this on any kind of thing in life. Uh, you just have that focus intensity, and and things start to change in your life when you start to focus. And so, being able to focus ninety days 
on contentment, uh, walking through, you know, kind of those three sections. Uh, it's been so fun. And, and, and like you said, even with your challenge, I'm like, people just crave this today because yes. we, are, we live in a world that they just keep telling you buy more, you know, buy this, buy that. And I'm like, we've just filled our lives with crap that we don't need. And yeah. we're not happy. We're not happier at the end of the day because of all this stuff. And so it's like this lie um, that we've dug into. And then the financial side, you know, I deal with people on the other end that have gone into debt for it. Now they're climbing their way out. And it's just, uh, it's kind of turned into just this mess. <laughs> when I look at our culture, I'm like, no. So yeah. Yep. But when you have someone that, um, you know, focuses and you, and you are someone that, you know, your heart is, is racing towards contentment, so many other things in life start to fall in place and you just become a more joyful person. It's so true. I love that so much. Yeah, so good. Well, I want to wrap up our time with just two quick questions. Um, and these, this is like just whatever comes to your mind. Okay. okay. So what is a current book that you're loving and a product that you're loving? Ooh, um, book. I will, I'll give you a fiction and a nonfiction. Nancy. Okay. I love it. <laughs> so my nonfiction is Priscilla Schreier's Discerning the Voice of God. Um, I think she has a whole Bible study on it, but I just read the book version and oh, it's like an underliner. Like, I mean, someone wanted to borrow it and I was like, I'm going to be so selfish and tell you, you can't borrow my copy because I've highlighted and underlined. <laughs> That's the sign of a really good book. Yes. yes. Oh, it's so, it's so good. So, so good. And then uh, the last book I finished, I love, I love like a good thriller, kind of a crime type book. So okay. uh, uh -huh. Ruth Ware is a author I love. She's like my summer read. Like if I go to the beach, I'll read her because she's it's a good beach read. But the last book from hers I read was The Death of Mrs. Westway, and yeah, it's good. It's just a it's just a thriller. It's a good one. That's so fun. Okay, and what's a product you're loving? Product. Okay, let me think. Um, let me think. Let me think. I, you know what I used the other, I used this like two nights ago and I hadn't used it in a while. And I'm like, I've got to charge the sucker back up and use it more. It's old. It, it's been out for a while, but I do love it. My Clarisonic brush on my face at night. It's like that. It's a automatic. What brush. is this? Wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. What is it? It's a Clarisonic brush. And it's like this little brush with these bristles and you like charge it. So it's, I don't even, I don't know all the words, Nancy. I'm not <laughs> electronic. I don't know how you would you'd even say what like, you press the button and it spins and it's just like an exfoliator. Um, That's so cool. I'm yeah. so looking into this thing now. Okay, okay. I got it like maybe two years ago and it's one of those things that's been in my drawers, but we're cleaning out our, all of our house because we're right, new. Right? Like, yep. And I, and I found, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't used this in so long. So I used it like two nights ago and I was like, oh. I'm obsessed with this thing. So I'm, I'm breaking it back out. So yeah. Okay. I'm totally going to look that up. I'm going to, I bet my sister-in-law has one because she's big into like face stuff and she knows all things beauty. So I'm going to ask oh, her. About yeah, it. I, bet, awesome. I bet she knows for sure. <laughs> okay. Last question for you, Rachel, is how do you maintain a healthy soul and a fulfilling life? I know that's like a really big question to mm. end on, but that's kind of the heart behind this podcast. How do you maintain a healthy soul and a fulfilling life? Yes. Um, I'll tell you that Winston and I will go through counseling seasons. Like we'll go to counseling and then we'll have a season where we don't. We'll go, we're in a counseling season right now. And mm -hmm. it, I went for an hour yesterday by myself <laughs> and I'm like, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Girl, me finding, too. A, finding a counselor that loves Jesus. Yes. But man takes a statement you say, which he did to me yesterday, and just pulls this string. And I'm like, he went eight layers deep of this 
fear that I had that I had, I had no idea walking into his office that that's yes. really the root of it. I'm like, just digging in yourself. I mean, they call it self-care now, but man, finding a good counselor, it will, it'll rock your world. And, and it makes life so much richer, your relationships, your marriage, yourself, like I'm all about it. So I completely agree. And for a long time, I was really kind of concerned about the price tag with it. I was like, it's not a need. It seems kind of like fluffy or extra, but when you start going, you realize how life-changing it is, how it's uh, some of the most valuable money you can spend. It really has been so, I, I agree. We are kind of in a counseling season too. I t- I'm just chuckling because <laughs> I'm like, I'm so there with you. Like we, we're right there with you. And yeah. I just think that it's so healthy and good. And you just have to have the personal maturity to say, it's, it's time. I need, like, we need to do this. We need to. Yes. Oh, I know we even adjusted our budget last night. Cause Winston was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Jeff on the 27th. You yes. know, like, oh. So I like was like, okay, I'll, I'll find. Cause yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, it can be expensive. So we're like, okay, we'll, we'll find categories and change it up. We just did that last night, which is so funny. Exactly. We're like on high right now That's on our awesome. counseling. <laughs> we That's awesome so. though. <laughs> Money well spent for sure. For sure. That is, that is. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been such a joy talking with you about contentment and money and just life in general. And just know that I'm going to be praying for you and that sweet baby boy and delivery and your big move. I also can't believe you're moving when that baby's going to be, what, three weeks old? Oh, girl, we're, st- we're, we're just stupid. I'll just say it out loud. <laughs> we, we are not smart people. So don't <laughs> listen to my money or, advice. Or my, my planning advice. Or you could look at it on the flip side and say you're really smart because you're not going to have to lift a finger and everyone else is going to do the that work is for you. True. And I could just spend maternity leave in my new home, which exactly. I'm really excited. Exactly. It'll be great. It'll be great. Well, (laughs) we're so excited for you. Thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always so fun to talk to you. You're such a joy. Thank you. you. Thanks, Rachel. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I love Rachel Cruz. I love her podcast. I love her books. If you don't know about Rachel Cruz and have never listened to her podcast, it's probably one of the most fun, upbeat, and helpful, beneficial podcasts I listen to on a regular basis. So definitely recommend you checking that out. Now it's time for the work and play corner store. This is where I have a little bit of fun and draw from my life and experiences to bring you a book I'm loving and a thing I'm loving. Today, I'm going to be adding Rachel's contentment journal to the store, as well as my contentment challenge. Now, Rachel's contentment journal is divided into three sections, focusing on gratitude, humility, and contentment, which I think is the perfect companion to the contentment challenge if you plan on joining us in January. And if you want to learn more about the contentment challenge, giving up shopping for three months to focus on the good stuff in life, Head to nancyray.com slash contentment challenge to learn more. Thanks so much for listening to episode 36 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 36. And you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram or Facebook almost daily. In Rachel's own words, in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.